Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. My name is Christine Grimmett, and I invite you to listen into today's conversation between two well-known people here at Heartbeat International. I'm joined by Jarell Godsey, our president, and Betty McDowell, vice president of ministry services. So if you've ever wondered what it's like to be in the room with these two while they're having a conversation, stay tuned. today's episode, there's a few articles we're going to reference, and the most recent one is by Jarrell. It's about the March for Life this year. And there's another one called Brace for Impact, which you may have received in, in an email a while back. And another one was written by Betty, and it's called Alert and Oriented Times 4. I'll be sure to link to those articles in the description on heartbeatinternational.org podcast. Now I turn it over to Betty. Thanks so much, Christine. Um, yeah, I like your introduction because... Uh, there are times when I have the opportunity to travel with Terrell and just have conversation. At Heartbeat, we have all these meetings where there's something set. This is a strategic planning meeting. This is a problem-solving meeting. Um, this is brainstorming. Um, but when we have this chance to sometimes just hang out together, because uh, I consider him not only my boss but, but a good friend, we have a chance to just really talk and share uh, what's on our minds, what's on our hearts. And so um, after I read... Jarrell's article about um, Brace for Impact, and then the article he wrote on his time in Washington, D.C. with the March for Life, it brought me to this place of thinking about, um, this is going to sound kind of strange to say this, but it brought me to this place of thinking about this evaluation tool of being alert and oriented times four. The reason it sounds strange is because I used it when I worked in a psychiatric hospital, so that's no... (laughs) That has nothing to do with Jarrell is stable, he's sound, he's a wonderful leader. Mostly. Um, most, yeah, I, I would say 99.99% of the time has that. No one's perfect. Um, but that alert and oriented evaluation was something that uh, just really came to mind in reading these articles. So what I mean by that is when I worked in a hospital and a patient would come in, one of the evaluation tools that we would use is to ask that person, do you know who you are? Um, do you know where you are? Do you know what time it is? And do you know what happened? So those are the four things. Those are the four things, and we call that alert and oriented times four. And so that gave us a chance to understand kind of there where they were and where they needed to be. And as I thought about that in my own life, I've used it, which is why I wrote an article on that, because I think it's great for any, any leader especially to think about really who you are how we're conformed in the image of Christ, our skills, our abilities, where you are, where you are in your family, your community, your ministry, where you even are on your org chart. Um, the time, it's really the season of life and uh, what is happening around us and then what just happened. And in our case, we've had some things that have really happened in our country. So those were the things that came to mind. And I was thinking of that in light of these articles. So with that, I'm just really grateful that we have Jarrell with us today. So anything you want to say in defense of yourself, since I just um, <laughs> mentioned our time, my time working in a psychiatric hospital? Uh, well, I probably resemble that remark, but we find ourselves at a place that's very different than I think most of us hoped we would be. There, there were great gains made, and, you know, regardless of wh- how you look at the previous administration, the current administration, regardless of how you vote and, and, 
and uh, what your concerns were about moral character and actions and elections and whatnot, there, there have been some powerful, powerful gains that occurred in the pro-life community. There were things being done in places that we have never seen any other president actually do. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you just firsthand, you know, that one of the amazing things that happened for us at Heartbeat was we found ourselves, along with some of our sister organizations um, and on a national level, called into conversations at HHS. Mm -hmm. I mean, Betty, you've been testifying before uh, some congressional hearings on things like human trafficking. Suddenly we were being sought out and, and invited into conversations that we had been excluded for, uh, excluded from, not just for the last few years, but frankly, for a long time. When you think of all of the things that HHS is doing, how they're helping, how they're serving, they really are one of the most kind of powerful, certainly empowered money-wise uh, with moving funds to places where they're needed most. I think of, you know, most centers would know about TANF dollars, you know, the, the which is for assistance for needy families. And that actually comes out of HHS. They would know of Title X, which has been things that have been directed at family planning efforts, which we know that our opposition at Planned Parenthood has taken great advantage of. And pregnancy help centers have been excluded from, and yet we are very much into uh, planning with families about their family. And so the, these are kind of conversations that we had been uh, distanced from, boxed out of, and or or just ignored and never invited to. And suddenly, in, with the Trump administration, we were being invited into these kind of conversations, and they had an agenda. It wasn't just a, so let's just play nice and be together. They had an agenda to accomplish things, to, to do things that we thought were critical and needed to be done, but had never had that kind of voice before. So a lot of good things happened in the four years that uh, Trump was president. And as we saw the election go in a direction that, uh, as pro-lifers, we were not happy with, but uh, well, we weren't happy with because there there was a very clear distinction between the two candidates. You had a the most pro-life president, and, and you know I I wrestled with that title early on because mm -hmm. I so appreciated uh, you know George W. Bush, which I would refer to as Bush forty three, and and then um, uh, even Ronald Reagan, who who mm -hmm. had who made powerful statements and and did some things that helped the pro-life movement, but just on sheer listing of all accomplishments, the Trump administration, whether it was him doing it and directing it, or it was, uh, you know, a, a, a long-standing champion for life like Vice President Mike Pence uh, leading the charge or whoever, what I know is that people that I sat in meetings with during the Obama administration were suddenly now empowered individuals in the administration looking to reorient the core of our government towards respecting honoring and serving life. And what what we saw happen in the election was that was going to change. And in fact, as we sit here now, it's just very early February. Um, we, we're not talking about what might happen with the first uh, month of the administration or actually a few weeks now. We are talking about what has happened. And some of the things that concerned us have already taken place. The Mexico City policy has been rescinded by executive order. You know, that, that's not a surprise, it's just a disappointment. Uh, if, if anything, uh, the, the U.S. ought to be mindful of is how we are spending taxpayer dollars, and suddenly it's uh, uh, important to send taxpayer dollars to other parts of the globe so that other poor countries can abort their children. That that there's just an offense to that on so so many levels, but it's exactly what the big abortion lobby has demanded. 
Yeah, so when I think about where we are and what just happened, I can't help but go back, as you said, during the Trump administration, um, never in my life would I have imagined that I would personally know people who were in the administration who, as you say, um, really were looking to move the pro-life agenda. That was, that's the passion, that, was their, that still is their heart for those people. And so uh, now here we are, um, those, so many things have changed. And so we have had some, some losses. And that's really kind of the whole political realm of things. So our work is primarily with service. It's really with the pregnancy help and serving women and families. And so we greatly appreciate our friends who are working on things from a political perspective because that it takes everybody. When you think of what we had and where, we're, where we are now, and perhaps even more so where we're headed, how does that... Uh, as you reflect on that, what does it make you think about for the pregnancy help movement and our affiliates and those that we serve? Well, one of the things that I am always mindful of, always mindful of, is that the pregnancy help movement was not created by on Capitol Hill. It wasn't established by charter or contract or constitution. I mean, our, our organization, Harpy was. Harpy had a articles of incorporation, just like all of our Pregnancy help organizations have those. Um, but that's not how the movement was established. Frankly, the movement was established by none other than the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He looked into our situation and said, I will raise up people who will stand against this, irrespective of what's happening at Washington uh, and the White House and the State House. He will, he will do what he's going to do because he is calling his people to a point of compassion. And, you know, and I, our good friend John Ensor often talks about the power of the Good Samaritan. And, you know, you have the religious uh, people that kind of walked on by this person that had been hurt. Well, the pregnancy help movement is every bit of the Good Samaritan that gives of themselves to a complete stranger, helps them in every way they possibly can so that they can, can recover from how life has damaged them. And that's exactly what the pregnancy help movement does. So first and foremost, we're called to, called to this work by God himself. And fortunately, his administration is still empowered. And fortunately, <laughs> fortunately his angels are still on assignment. And you know, his call is still, uh, is still really coursing through our veins, in essence. And so we, we have that to look forward to. Now, what's happening in this, this administration is that our opposition is being empowered. And you know, I, I could use the word enemy um, and in some ways, they have positioned themselves as our enemy. I don't, I don't like that term uh, because I believe that, you know, that, that really our true enemy is the one who stands opposite of God and continues to try to abort the purpose of God. So in one sense, our supply line and supply chain and is no different than it was before because we are fully empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to do what we do and how he moves through others to make it happen. So we're going to miss out on some, some opportunities in the that might have arisen from the White House or from the legislature, but we are still able to do what God calls us to do because we weren't called by them. We were called by him. Now, the difference is, is that our, our opposition is going to be more empowered. There are, they're emboldened. They're going to be enriched. That's already happening. The Mexico City policy uh, I mentioned earlier now unleashes taxpayer funds, not so much to help that far-flung person to experience 
uh, an abortion, but really to empower the agencies and organizations with funding so that they can do things like influence other countries about their policies and their activities, and, and of course, to see more abortions happening internationally as well as in the U.S. No, I think it's really interesting, Darrell, that you um, bring up the, the Good Samaritan. Uh, it made me automatically, my mind went to the Princeton study that was done. This is actually a study that was done in the 70s, and it was with seminary students. And um, I don't know, do you remember Do you remember the study at all? It's kind of cool. So they set these seminary students up, and they said, we're going to have you go and, and teach on the Good Samaritan. And you need to go to the certain place at the certain time and be ready to present and teach others what the lessons are involved in the Good Samaritan. And so some of them, they gave time, like margin of time to do it, and others they didn't. And um, what they then did was they planted on that road hmm. someone who was going to stop them as needing help and to see how the, the seminary students would respond to them. The folks who had time responded. The ones who were in a hurry didn't. And they kind of like they realized they missed the point. And, and so the lesson from that was, to me, is that we don't panic. Hmm. Don't panic. Um, we continue to plan. We continue to take these moments of reflection, to slow down, uh, to think, because then we have a chance of really being much more aware of what's around us and what God's put in our hearts and our mission, and we're able to see our mission and not get clouded by all the chaos. And that goes to like the it. orientation that you're talking yeah, about is yeah. remember how we ought to be oriented. Uh, just because politics in the present is failing us. It doesn't mean that we're, we've failed. Uh, we have successes. Here's one of the cool things I like is that um, we can look back at, at various seasons. We've had the same thing happen. You know, the, 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 the issue, like, like you've said, Betty, is are, are we running too fast? Are we, are, have we devoted too much of our time and thought and energy to believe that the problem is going to be solved? Frankly, like even in the Supreme Court, you know, well, gosh, if we just overturn Roe, well, you know, n nobody that that's, that's knows the situation really thinks that that's going to end the conversation. Mm -hmm. All it is is going to change the conversation. Mm -hmm. In fact, it'll change it from, you know, one battle in one building in the entire country to 50 battles in 50 states around the, around the U.S. And uh, so those are, that's not going to change. So you're right in, that we should really step back and realize, you know what? We are here because God placed us here, and this is this is also both comforting and a little little scary. Mm -hmm. Is that of all the people that uh, God could have had in place at this time for such a transition as this, He has called us. We're the ones. Uh, we, we are here now, and we're here to do what God has called us to do. It is our season, isn't it? Oh, and I'm surprised, by the way, that Princeton would even allow the Good Samaritan to be. <laughs> Because that's a Bible thing, right? I'm not anyway. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Actually, all... Princeton is a sem was a seminary. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that's for another podcast, Joel. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, as as I think about you know the um, the articles that you wrote, and I go back and I look at 2020, and I think of words that describe 2020, um, words like uncertain, um, volatile. So for me, it was like a, as we stepped into 2020 and we were planning our conference and trying to figure things out, there was just this uncertainty. I mean, I always I I think back to, oh, yes, the, these lockdowns are going to last for a week, maybe two. And here we are, you know, 
a year later. Um, and then as the year went on, we saw just violence erupt, and then we went through these elections. And so I was thinking of um, volatility, I think is the word I was thinking of, and how that has, going into 2021, what words I would pick, because it's no longer the word uncertainty. We know where this administration is headed. Um, we have a good sense of what that means for us. Uh, but the other word, when you and I talked in past, you brought up the word, we went from uncertainty to volatility to hostility. And so let's just take a moment. It's like, wow, that's a downer, isn't it? But let's, let's talk about the reality. If we're talking about being alert and oriented, um, let's talk about the reality of hostility in 2021 and how that relates to us. So we saw the changes occur, and you know, really not uh, changes. We saw, I guess, the increasing dynamic of hostility, even in the conversations amongst well-meaning believers who might attend the same church, might even be in this, you know, in the same uh, family, and suddenly they were being hostile towards one another about their support for this person or for that person, the current president or the previous one, or they were being um, very, uh, really in a, in a sense, harsh in, their, in how, they, how they spoke, what they spoke. But what we've now seen is we've seen bigger players step into this and, and demonstrate their hostility. And of course, you know, something that, as we look and we see kind of the deplatforming of Donald J. Trump or at Donald J. Trump by Twitter, and we see Facebook, uh, we see this move to uh, scrub all of the things regarding, what was it, Stop the Steal, uh, which frankly, I think asks some basic questions that our country would be better answering rather than scrubbing. But the, the we see the move uh, on these big tech platforms mm -hmm. that uh, were against, and at first an individual and then uh, several topics, and at the same time, so they wade into this subject matter and, and not in a way that is that invites uh, healthy dialogue, but it's, it's in a way that invites um, further hostility and, and, and basically pushes us pushes those uh, who are in this situation kind of out of the conversation. And here's where the pregnancy help world is also positioned in a way to be potential targets. Um, someone said to me not too long ago, it's like, well, you know, we, we, granted we saw Twitter do this, we saw Facebook do that, YouTube do this. So those are all the social media platforms, the big players. And they did some things against some people that, you know, probably deserved it. Maybe, you know, that's not a big deal that, su you know, such and such big politician got treated that way because he said some bad things at some point and probably should be off that. But let's be careful because these are the same platforms or these are the same friends of platforms uh, that have, have actively moved against pregnancy centers, but in a much quieter way. Uh, someone said, well, Microsoft hasn't done anything yet. Yet I said, oh, but they have. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was about five years ago that we discovered, uh, thanks, to, thanks to interacting with some of our affiliates, that they had been talking to a group called TechSoup. And TechSoup was, uh, you know, TechSoup.org is a place that nonprofits everywhere go and get discounted um, items, software, sometimes even hardware. And the, they, we discovered that that uh, the people at TechSoup, at the direction of some of these big tech firms and big software firms, were reclassifying pregnancy centers into kind of their own, own segmented area, away from you know the the 
the family planning groups like Planned Parenthood and others, and then they were being then denied service. Uh, systematically. systematically. Exactly. No, yeah, flat out, out denied yeah. service. Yeah. And and if you were the fortunate center that that didn't happen to, it's because they, they hadn't paid close enough attention, it seemed like, because it was an active, active effort. In fact, we, you know, we have a case of one situation where a local pregnancy center in Florida had been had been gifted a or gifted had been able to purchase a, a laptop, you know, for a reduced price. It was part of the process of being uh, of that TechSoup allowed. And then there was this craziness of they were saying, "Oh, we found out you're one of those pregnancy centers, so we need to get that back." And you know that it w- that was just silliness. Fortunately, that didn't happen. There were some letters that were written, and and they backed away from that because it had already been provided. But what what we uncovered was that they were really already tilting the balance in favor of the other side and against us. And so if we think that this is far off and that this is, can't possibly happen, uh, we should think again. I mean, what was it just last, well, now it's um, it's been two years now, or about a year and a half since uh, uh, Google started with the, the, the disclaimers on their ad platform, you know, does provide abortions, does not provide abortions. You know, and this is a big thing that we had to be registered. And the minute you have to register for something is the minute now that you can be denied something. So it's in some ways, it's just a matter of time before these things begin to uh, further impact our ability to serve the community, to draw and to, and to identify and then to serve the community that God has called us to, to serve. So it sounds grim, doesn't it? It does. It feels grim. So we <laughs> have to does. we have to make sure we give that message of hope to people. But I, I also wanted to, while I have the opportunity, um, to go to this particular article that you wrote about the March for Life, because you were able to be there and really represent Heartbeat International as a as a national leader. And you started this article with this this sentence. It says, "The sound of my footsteps echoed across the vast hotel lobby." It was a few hours before the 2021 March for Life, normally a hive of bustling activity. The hotel was virtually deserted. And when I read that, I, because I've been there many times, I, I felt that. I sensed that. And so I wanted to take the opportunity to have you tell us a little bit more about that experience, um, very somber, sobering experience. But when I looked at this article, there was still this pointing toward hope and the importance of what we do. So I wanted you to share a little bit of that with us. Well, one of the things that we've, well, we've been doing Babies Go to Congress now uh, for more than 10 years um, and have been many, many times. And, and part of going to Babies Go to Congress, we've always kind of attached it. Well, in the original, early years, we, we did several each year, but then we kind of settled into uh, doing Babies Go to Congress at the same time with the march. So here we would have our little group, with little group, sometimes it was, that was 40 people, 40, mm-hmm. 50 people, with, uh, I think we had seven or eight teams floating around Congress uh, going to the various offices. We would kind of cross each other in the path, had a great pictures in the ro- in the rotunda and, and and get some really great visuals and and have the the great opportunity to really to express the power and the success of pregnancy help to our congressional representatives. And you know, on the Senate, uh, in the House. And as a part of that, we would be we would be just a little tiny piece of the sea of humanity that mm. would really be the March for Life. So what, if you've never been, 
the the population of DC swells by I, I'm convinced it's a it's at least half a million people, mm-hmm. and it's there's so many kind of like fun things to see and to observe. You you get to see these little groups and they're all wearing like a matching beanies because they came from some particular university or high school, uh, or you see them all in in, in the same scarfs and, and and then there there's a because they come from schools. There's so many young people. This is what. Uh, some people look at the pro-life movement and say, oh, it's a bunch of older conservative, uh, and, and it is, but it's also a lot of young people who recognize the value of standing for life and the power of, of, of making their, their own hearts known. And so you see that in D.C., you feel it. You can't, you can't walk anywhere without stepping over some of these bleary-eyed students that have traveled in buses for hours. And that's part of the adventure. It's part of the excitement because there's a there's an energy that comes along with that, and it's fun to then join in with that. To bring, of course, we have our little story to tell. We're you know we're not we're not there to necessarily rant and rave at at, at the politics, although we are there to make a statement at, for the march. But we get the opportunity to kind of quietly go and say, this is what pregnancy centers do. When we succeed, uh, our this is what happens. And we point to the little stroller with the cute little babies. And one if case, you can see the little yeah, babies. <laughs> if you can see them. Uh, it's one of those things that it's just part of it. And to go there this time, and to and to to not have any of that mm-hmm. was disconcerting. It really was, I mean, troubling in the sense of of and I know and it had to happen. You know, I don't I don't I certainly don't uh, blame the March for Life for for altering the plans. You know, traveling these days, cramming into a bunch of buses during a pandemic, where we're told to you know how many buses will we have had to roll and uh, to make to make those numbers work. I think I think had they kept it open, we'd still seen a good showing. From people that could travel in closely, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it made sense that 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 they that they turned it into a virtual uh, experience. But something was gravely missing in the D.C. area as a representation of what what is wrong with Roe, and as a representation of how many Americans there are that celebrate life and want to see it preserved and protected by our powerful who are in D.C. And so to be there, it was, uh, it was painful in its way. It, it was hard to be there and to have it so hollow uh, of the life that the March for Life represents. That's great. Thank you. Again, sobering. Um, and we look forward to seeing what can happen in the future because we all want to get back to Washington, D.C. We sure do. Uh, you know, it was, my, it was my 16th march in a row, uh, which I've been able to do since coming here to Heartbeat. And it wasn't just har- marching for Heartbeat. It's really being the pregnancy help, you know, uh, ha- pregnancy help representative. I, there are other folks who are there because of the legal issues, other folks who, are, who march because of the of the education, the fact that we need everyone to be aware, they they wanna see things happen at Supreme Court, and we want all those things to happen. But we march because it is is the importance of the pro-life movement in how we are the compassion arm or the service arm of the pro-life movement because what we do still walks around today. This is one of the fun things that I always think about the uh, as I watch the executive orders be signed, good or bad, right? Because mm-hmm. I know that as as we've just seen now in the last two weeks, is there were there were documents signed that undid a document that was signed four years ago that we celebrated. Mm-hmm. And so the document that reversed what happened four years ago was just signed and someone's celebrating, but we're not celebrating. 
But the cool thing about the pregnancy help movement is that our successes can't be undone by a signed document because they are walking around, they're crawling around. Some of them have gone to college. Some of them are grown up to have their own families. I mean, we've been at this for 50 and years. Some of them are grandparents. That's right. I mean, you think about it. Heartbeat's been around 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. It's exciting to know that we've contributed not just to, you know, to babies, but to lives, uh, to lifetimes, and now even lineage. See, that's encouraging to me. So I hope our listeners are getting encouraged by that. So if we go back to this concept of alert and oriented times four, um, it's used as a tool for evaluation, but it's also something that can help keep us oriented. So not uncommon if you were to visit somebody who was in a hospital or they were in some form of recovery, you see the dry erase board on their wall and it, and it tells you who the nurse is, it tells you the date, maybe even the weather, because you're trying to help that person as they move forward um, to remain oriented. So let's just take a moment and as we close, let's talk about the being alert and oriented in terms of helping us move forward. So the reminder of who we are. What would you say, what would you say to our listeners and those in the pregnancy health community about their identity? Well, uh, you know, I've been, I've been challenged as a citizen of the U.S. as to what's gone on in recent weeks, months. Mm -hmm. But as a citizen of heaven, which is what I really am, I'm encouraged because I know God's at work. God has a greater promise, greater potential, greater, greater things ahead for all of us as individuals, for us as a movement. And in some ways, um, there actually is an opportunity here. You know, uh, Peggy, uh, Peggy Hartshorn, our, our, our president uh, before me and is currently our board chair, she, she wrote an article uh, in the January on the leaderboard. And she talks about, I, I'll never forget this, she talks about the, uh, the board meeting that happened, happened to be scheduled the day after uh, Bill Clinton uh, was inaugurated, mm -hmm. and she and her the sentence she used the word she used the word which I, not a word I use very often. But she said it was glum, and 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 there was this sense of how true that was that this was glum a glum moment, but what that allowed them to do then and it should allow us to do now is to focus on what we know to do. What we do doesn't necessarily require. Uh, anything happening, you know, in D.C. or in the state house, or it doesn't require that we can be aided or we can be harmed by it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it just requires us to put our heads down and think, how can we do this better? And it's curious because in in the early 1992, when that happened, um, the the movement reinvented itself. You know, that 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 was the year. Um, uh, it, uh, Heartbeat International became Heartbeat International. Prior to that, it was Alternatives to Abortion International. In the same year, we saw. Uh, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom came into existence. We saw uh, NIFLA, National Institute of Family Life Advocates, came into existence. We saw new opportunities to do things. And we, in essence, out of that moment, we were changed mm -hmm. and have become better. So I, I'm excited for what, what can happen because, you know, we always talk about in the, what is it, the, in that same dynamic of crisis, there is also opportunity. opportunity and right. man, I'm feeling the crisis, but I'm also sensing the power of opportunity. How can we do do what we do and do it better? How can we do it with new tools and, and techniques? Because, you know, COVID's, frankly, COVID's dragged us all into some areas that we didn't imagine. You know, I, I couldn't imagine uh, pregnancy help services being done by Zoom 
two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and if and if I did, I, I I'd have been given dirty looks by people like, "What are you kidding? We, we're we're relationship people, and we are. You know, mm-hmm. we we love the knee to knee and nose to nose experience, and because we we know that there's a great power in that. But now we have to figure out how to do this more at a distance, not just for the sake of of COVID challenges and pandemic issues, but because we need to reach more people and and. And the idea of just expanding brick and mortar or, you know, for our mobile mobile unit friends, just sticking wheels on the center and moving it around, those even themselves have limitations. And so how do we do this in different ways so that we can we can convey the message of life and life everlasting in a more powerful way? I think that those opportunities are before us. And in a way, adapting to what is or what will what we expect to be for at least the next four years is the very reason that calls us to do that kind of adaptation. So with that, I'm thinking about Peggy's article. She also mentions that how it lit a fire under them. That was, I think, kind of the terminology she used in the article. That stood out to me when I read that. The other piece that I think of with who is that as we are involved with helping moms choose life for their children, those are each, each life. Each life is a very individual person that God has ordained that he's put skills and abilities and personality into that person. And so that's true for each and every person who is called into this movement. So there's kind of that global thing that we are part of as as a unity of working in pregnancy help. Um, But also it just amazes me how God cares so deeply about each one of us and brings us into the place where we are, which brings us really to where, because of how he wired us, how he made us, and who he wants us to be. And so um, hopefully that's an encouragement. And then time, when we talk about time, I think that you've laid out the uh, sobering reality of where we are, but also the opportunities uh, that are before us. And so then when I think about what just happened, um, (laughs) hopefully what we did, (laughs) what just happened, if you were listening, is that you have a sense of the reality, but you are also encouraged and emboldened to continue on the mission and to continue to find those creative ways. Um, I feel like that's what we do all the time here at Heartbeat, well, it's find not just, creative ways to, y- to carry out the mission. Exactly. And, it's, and when we think about it, and this, you know, this is when I sat down and wrote Brace for Impact, the article, I, re- I originally wrote it right after Christmas before the inauguration um, uh, and certainly before the events of the, of the first week of January. But one of the things that I fully realized and that we should all realize is, uh, you know, we when the election results came in, and relative to the abortion issue, uh, th- that was startling news. It was, it was scary news. It was something that put us in a, in a, in an, a light that we simply did not had not pri- previously envisioned. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's exactly where that that young woman is when she suddenly sees the results on her pregnancy test. She's she's just gotten really life-altering news and bad news is how she probably perceives it, at least the ones that we deal with. Um, she suddenly is thinking that her future is, is, is been changed forever in, in a variety of ways. And of course, what she wants immediately then is not to have, have gotten pregnant. Uh, and frankly, I would have liked to have, have a, I would, my, I would have liked to for us to not to have had an election, but that's my that's me. Um, but but she suddenly wants to go back and change things that right. can't be now changed. Right. So the que- so we encounter her at that very moment, and you know what we you know we bring to her in that moment realities that we carry in our heart. 
which is that God is still on his throne and God can do amazing things. I mean, you know, how, you know, it's like you pull the string in the back, like I feel like a little doll, I pull the string in the back of my, my that are, that's in my back, and I will quote to you Jeremiah 29, 11, that there is a hope mm-hmm. and a future. And we sit, sit with her and with a straight face, we tell her exactly that. Why do we do it with a straight face? Because we know it, we believe it. Now we don't know how, yeah, we, we don't know how it's going to work for her because every situation is different, but we know that the God of the universe is very much involved and engaged and wants to engage with her. All we're asking her to do is trust, mm-hmm. is to have faith, is to believe. I, I love how you, you, know, you like to remind us, Betty, often that we, um, we encourage, we give courage. And that's really the heart of what happens in Pregnancy Help is that we give courage to her to face into that situation and to see the opportunity to overcome and embrace what is so that she can be so much more than what she fears in that moment. And that's exactly where we are <laughs> because I have fears. I, I have concerns of what, what a uh, big abortion empowered by government can do, um, how they can, they can grow their business model, how they can tear down some barriers that we have relied on. Um, I, I have grave concerns, but I also know that it's time to say, you know what? There is a hope and a future here for mm-hmm. all of us doing what we do. Nothing about our call has changed, not a thing. It's nothing about the God of the universe has changed, not a thing. So those two things working together, it's, we're just like her. We just need to say, okay, I, I get it. How do I, how do I embrace it? How do I engage it? How do I open my heart to what needs to happen so that I can be empowered by the God of the universe and accomplish the call that he's put inside me? And so if we believe that for her, we can believe that for ourselves. Absolutely. And so as we trust in God, I know one of the things that I do is to go back and look at the stories because we serve women. We have these incredible stories. And I think about, particularly for us, as we follow with the um, Abortion Pill Rescue Network, we have the stories and those are just so encouraging. So that's one of the other things that we would want for people to do is to look at what you've done, look at what God has empowered you to do and to be involved and actually see, as you said, we get to see our work walking around on two legs and and doing amazing things with their own lives. So Yeah, amen. In fact, you know, who knows? The those walking around could be the success stories that uh, are the ones that vote on something important in the future because they they were raised up to be that type of politician or they're the ones that are in the midst of a um, of a campaign where they're trying to overcome some, you know, grave uh, disease that we have. You know, these, this, there's so much power and potential in life. And, and, and curious, in all of this, Betty, I don't know if I, well, you and I have talked about this. I, there's this reality that the pandemic has taught all of us is that life is precious. You know, it's like, well, duh, we know that mm-hmm. uh, because we work for it every day. But suddenly protecting life and watching out for others and being mindful of what harms them has become very important. That's why we have you know, all this discussion about uh, personal protective equipment and why we, are de- why we are dealing with things like social distancing because we don't want to bring harm to someone else. Well, that's exactly what what the pregnancy help has been doing forever. Is we've been trying to walk into situations. Granted, we get close, you know, because that's that whole needed nose nose thing. But we get close to them, complete strangers, mm-hmm. because we love them with God's love, and we serve them with that kind of passion for what is in play, and that is life, their life, and the life of their unborn child. Wow. Well, thanks, Darrell. Thanks for the time that 
you spent with me today because oh. I love hanging out with you <laughs> and uh, love pleasure. reading all the stuff that you write. And so I hope our listeners have been encouraged. And I know that uh, Christine's going to throw some links on. I think we gave her a few more to add uh, if people want to learn more and read more about what we've been talking about here. So with that, would you just speak a blessing over the Pregnancy Help community? And um, and we'll let Christine take this yeah, and work on love it. love to. Well, Lord, we just uh, ask your blessing upon all those who have called, who felt the call, all those who have felt the call to this work. We thank you, Father, that they do it from the executive director chair. They do it from the counseling room. They do it from the conference uh, table where the board gathers. They do it from those who who are part of this movement because they give of their of their of their substance. They give out of their time and their talent and their treasure. Lord, everywhere and everyone that does this, we just pray your blessings upon them, that you would prosper them in every way. And Father, we thank you that you have deposited this call, not a call, your call, that we would accomplish good things for the lives at risk today, and that you would help us see more and more successes that honor you, that bless you, that grow your kingdom, and celebrate the gift of life. And Lord, we celebrate you, the giver of life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Pregnancy Help News, which is powered by Heartbeat International. Heartbeat has over 2,800 pregnancy help locations around the world, and this year we're celebrating our 50th birthday as an organization. You can join in on that celebration for a week of training at our annual conference this April, where we will have both in-person and online conference options. Visit heartbeatservices.org for more information.